Well, hey, Woodside, Pastor Chris here. I hope you guys are having a phenomenal day of worship. Praise God that we get a chance to, week after week, gather together with our church family to lift up the name of God and to enjoy the treasure of the gospel together. I'm just so grateful for that. And I am always grateful to be able to join you to open up God's word so that we can grow together, so that we can live and share our faith as we live on mission for him. Listen, for those of you who are guests and visitors, I do want to just say, I always give this disclaimer, this is not our typical way of uh, gathering and worshiping. Uh, Occasionally, I'll do a video that unites us as one church family across 14 communities. But our typical way of ministry is that we have incredible campus pastors at each one of our campuses they and their uh, awesome spouses and families love you deeply. And we believe that the greatest way uh, to disciple men and women is to have a pastor who's there, who lives in your community, who cares for you, and who knows you and your family. And I know that our campus pastors and their wives would love to get to know you as well. So please, if you are a guest and a visitor, do not leave uh, without saying hello. We We would love to be a prayer partner with you and to help you to take your next step in your journey with Jesus. But if you were to ask what drives the passion of this ministry, uh, the answer is really simple, and that is a passion to spread the gospel, to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I just want you to consider for a moment. Recently, I gave an update to our leaders here at Woodside where we celebrated uh, a little bit about the number of people that are gathering together in our campuses collectively on weekends and joining us, participating in worship online. Now, that number collectively online and in person is a little bit over 13,000 people. That means that we are reaching more people now on uh, the weekends with the gospel than what we were doing before the pandemic. To God be the glory for that, and and we praise God for that. But you know, any church that is really committed to the spread of the gospel is never satisfied uh, simply with uh, the number of people that they're currently reaching when they know that there are yet still so many to be reached. And so what gets me out of bed every morning, what hopefully uh, gets you out of bed every morning is this thought of, God, I want to honor you with my life and I want others to know your grace, your goodness, and your love. And if you were to total up the number of people in our cities that we're worshiping, in the very cities that you're sitting in and watching this video in right now, if you were to total up uh, the number of people that are not professing Christians who believe that salvation is by faith in Christ alone, that number would be over 1.5 million people. Now, I just want to contrast those numbers for just a moment. 13,000 gathering together on weekends for, for our one church across 14 communities to hear the gospel, but 1.5 million not having a relationship with the Savior. Well, if you're like me, if you have 
uh, come to love Jesus and his word, then what drives you is the question every day, how do we reach those who don't know Jesus? And I want to talk to you about that just a little bit today, at least the heart that I believe that we have to have in order to make this happen. But before I do, I want to ask a question, a question that I asked uh, my oldest son recently, and that is, what is your favorite type of movie? I asked that question to my son, Cameron, and you got to know a little bit about Cameron. He's 12 years old, and he loves movies, and he told me uh, that his favorite movie was the Jurassic Park series of movies. He loves Jurassic Park. And as we talk, what became clear is that my son doesn't just love dinosaurs. He loves dinosaurs that eat people. That's like his favorite type of dinosaur. Well, after I asked him what his favorite movie was, he reciprocated. He asked me, Dad, what's your favorite movie? And uh, hands down, my favorite type of movie are treasure hunting movies. If you are a man or a woman of a certain age like me, you'll know the name Indiana Jones. I grew up loving Indiana Jones and his quest to find hidden treasure. Maybe if you're a little bit younger, you know the movie uh, series National Treasure, but you get what I'm getting at. This whole thought of treasure hunting. I love those types of movies and shows, and uh, and I love those types of scriptures as well. And today I want to take you to a passage of scripture where Jesus is literally telling us what I would consider to be like the prototype of a treasure hunting story to drive home, I think, a very important point on how you and I can join him on mission and spreading his love and his grace to our neighbors and our friends. Now, Jesus was a master storyteller. He is so awesome in that in just a few words, he can tell a story that has weighty, deep, life-transforming spiritual truth. And he does that in Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, verse 44. Now, this could arguably be the shortest story Jesus ever told but yet it's so packed full of power. Now, historically, this parable, and maybe it says it in your Bible, it says it in mine, is the parable of the hidden treasure. Now, I just want to change that name for just a moment for today's purposes, and, and I just want to change it to the parable of the treasure hunter. Are you a treasure hunter? Well, I think the Bible wants you to be. I think God wants you to be, and hopefully I can persuade you of that. Look at what it says in Matthew 13, 44. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Short story, so powerful. And here's what I want to do today. I want to just take a few moments and have what's known as an inductive Bible study. Now, if you know anything about inductive Bible studies, you know how exciting that is. But I would imagine if I were to ask you to raise your hand, uh, all those people across the campuses that maybe don't even know what I'm talking about, when I say inductive Bible study, a lot of hands would go up. So let me define it. An inductive Bible study is simply the act of reading a passage of scripture and asking really good questions about it so that you can come to the conclusion that the author intended for you to come to. So what we're gonna simply do is read this 
one verse and ask some really important questions so that we can see what Jesus is getting at here. Now, I think this whole story is about valuation. What have you valued most in life? As a matter of fact, I think the big question that is the overarching question of the story is this. Have you found anything so valuable in life that you would sell everything in order to obtain it? Let's think about that question again. Have you found anything so valuable in life that you would sell everything in order to obtain it? Now, Jesus does in one verse what it would take me 20 years to do. He gives us the plot, the characters, and the climax or the outcome, the moral of the story. Let's, let's first kind of set the scene. What does he tell us here? Well, he tells us that there was a man who one day came across a treasure, something that was tremendously valuable. Now, what is really interesting about this story is that it does not tell us how this man found the treasure or who this man was. So the first thing that I want to ask myself as we process through uh, this question is, have you found the hidden treasure? Have you found the hidden treasure? Now, a little bit about this man. He, he's nameless. He has, he has no identity. We don't know his background. We don't know his city. And I think that that's intentional. I think what Jesus is doing for us is telling us a classic story that forces each of us to put ourselves in the position of this, this man. I think this man is nameless and uh, without any sense of descriptors or, or origin story because in many ways this man is to represent each one of us. That each one of us needs to ask ourselves, have we found the hidden treasure? Now the question is, how did he find this treasure? How did he find this hidden treasure? And we're not told. We're not told if he had a map and maybe went searching for it and uncovered it. We're not told if he was working. Maybe he was a field hand and one day came across this treasure. All we're told is that he discovered something of great value that others had devalued. And you know, uh, in our society, that is the essence of entrepreneurship. For all you business owners out there, those of you who are passionate about business, the essence of entrepreneurship is seeing value where others do not see value. That's why so many people have prospered in this great country of ours, because they've been able to see value where maybe others have not seen value. And today, I think what Christ is asking you and I to consider is where is their value where maybe others have not seen value? Is there a treasure that you've discovered that is valuable, extremely valuable, that others may devalue? So there's a second question that I think the text begs for us to ask, and that is, what value have you placed on the treasure? So, so here we have a man who in, in the, the happenings of his life, maybe looking for a treasure, maybe just working, maybe like you, he found himself listening to a preacher one day and discovered this treasure. 
however he found it, what we have is a man who found something that he deemed to be so valuable that he was willing to sell everything he had in order to obtain it. This treasure for him was the most valuable thing in all the world. So the question should be asked, what is the treasure? What is the treasure? Well, here is where Jesus leaves no mystery. He may not have given to us the man's identity or his home address, but what he did define is what the treasure is. And look at what he says, the treasure is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is like a treasure. So what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, that's a term that the Bible uses throughout. And when you think of the the kingdom of heaven, I don't want you to think of realm as much as you think of rule. I don't want you to think of place as much as you think of presence. The kingdom of heaven, as defined by scripture, is the place where God's presence rules. It is a place where you experience the presence of God. And what the text is begging you and I to ask of ourselves is, do we consider the presence of God a treasure? Do we consider a relationship with Jesus a gift? Because surely this man did, and Jesus does by telling us the story. He is trying to communicate to us that the greatest gift in all the world, the greatest treasure in all of the world is a relationship with him where we experience his presence. I just want you to know God wants you to experience his presence. He he wants us to know his voice. He wants us to experience intimacy with him. He he wants us to experience his love, his grace, his goodness, his healing touch in our hearts and in our souls. And what should drive us every day is our love for him and our deep desire for others to experience what we've experienced. Now, I know some of you, maybe you've never experienced what it's like to have the weight of your sins lifted from your heart. Some of you, maybe you've never experienced what it's like to hear God whispering to you, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Maybe you've never experienced what it's like to hear the Lord simply saying he loves you. But some of you have, and for those who have, We should have a daily passion to make him known so that others can experience that. What value have you placed on the kingdom of God, the place where his presence rules and reigns in your life? Do you see the cross as a treasure and Jesus as a gift? That's what the text begs us to ask of ourselves. This man thought it was so valuable, this this treasure he found, that he was willing to give up everything in order to obtain it. Now, let me just define this word treasure, because in the Greek, what it means is true wealth. True wealth. Have you found true wealth? Isn't it interesting, like the world tells us that wealth has to do with the possessions we have, the zeros in our bank account, maybe even the likes and follows that we get on social media, or this world's goods that we are able to acquire. What the Bible says that true wealth is, 
is the place of the presence of God. Where God's presence is, is where you experience true wealth, true joy, true peace, true forgiveness, true love, true freedom. All of those things are found in the presence of God. Well, there's a third question that we need to ask ourselves, and that is, what are you willing to sell in order to obtain the treasure? What are you willing to sell? Now, this is where I love this, because like, I, I love business, I, I, I love, uh, I used to be a stockbroker, and I love this moment, because this is the climax of the story to me. It puts us in this negotiation that's happening. There's a buyer, who wants to buy this field, there's a seller, and they're kind of haggling over the price, and eventually a transaction takes place where this man buys this field. But notice what he has to do in order to buy this field. He has to sell everything. Now, why would a person be willing to sell everything? It's only because they have found something that is more valuable than what they currently are holding. I think it's interesting on two levels. Number one, it's interesting that he sells everything in order to buy this field because it tells us that sometimes in order to get something valuable, you have to separate from something that's currently in your life. And maybe what we've been holding on to so tightly is the thing that God wants to free us from so that we can have what's most valuable. Maybe you've been holding on to money and possessions too tightly. You've put too high of a valuation on them. There's a lot of us who have done that. I can think of seasons in my life when I've done that, where I value money too much. Or maybe you've been there before where you value money over time with family or money over an acquisition of possessions over your own personal health. Some have even gone so far as valuing money over integrity. You've put too high of a valuation over it. Now, 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 maybe it is control or maybe it's comfort that you hold so dearly. I don't want to release control or I don't want to release comfort. But this man came to the conclusion that, that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Those were the words of a very famous missionary who said this, that, that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. This man looked at his money, he looked at control, he looked at comfort, and he says, I can't keep these things anyway. They're all an illusion. They make wings and they fly away. But there is something that I can hold on to that will change my life and change the lives of everyone I know. I, I got to sell it all. And so he sold it all so that he can have true wealth. I hope you're following with me because if you are, what you're seeing is that giving up everything will help you to gain more than everything. It's a, it's a good question to consider. Did this man sell everything or did he gain everything? And the answer is yes. He sold all that he had so he can get what was most valuable. Well, let me land the plane. The fourth and final question is, have you purchased the treasure? Well, you may say, Chris, how in the world do you purchase the kingdom of heaven? And I want to make sure I tread lightly here. 
because I don't want to make it seem like you can write a check to buy the kingdom of heaven. You cannot do that. I don't want to make it seem like you can do some good works to earn your salvation. You cannot do that. There's nothing you can do to obligate God based off of effort or generosity or works that will obligate God to save you. But you can buy the kingdom of heaven. And you may say, well, how do you buy the kingdom of heaven? It's to understand the currency of heaven. Listen, God doesn't traffic in stocks and bonds. He could care less about that. He can care even less about cryptocurrency. As infatuated as we are with these things, God and heaven traffics in a different type of currency. It's the currency of faith and trust. You see, in order to obtain this treasure, you have to be willing to have capital. This man sold everything so that he could have the capital needed to make a purchase. Do you have the capital needed in order to make the purchase, to purchase the kingdom of heaven? And here's the capital you got to have. It is faith and trust in Christ alone for your salvation. And is that worth giving up everything else so that you can have a relationship with him. Let me tell you, friends, it is. That's the big point, that the kingdom of heaven is the most valuable treasure in all the world, that the kingdom of heaven is the most valuable treasure that you and I will ever find. And today, I want to encourage you to buy the kingdom and again, I want to make sure I'm clear, not with your money, not with your works, not with your effort, but with the currency of trust and faith. As you say, I'm not going to trust myself. I'm not going to put my confidence in my ability to control my own life. I'm not going to put my, my confidence in my comfort or my possessions my acumen, my ability, my beauty, my physical strength, none of those things. But I'm going to put all my trust in you. He who gains God gains the world. If you have a relationship with God, you have the most valuable treasure ever. So I preach this message to you on two levels. First, I want you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. But secondly, I want us as a church family to burn with a passion to see the 1.5 million people in our cities come to know Jesus is Lord. And I want to see men and women by the billions around the world come to know Jesus. This is what keeps our elders up at night. This is certainly what causes your pastors to wake up every morning with the question of how do we help others to uh, experience this treasure, the treasure of the cross, the gift of Jesus. And so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to share with you our heart about how we 
since the Lord wants us to spread the treasure of the gospel. We're going to share some exciting things that God is doing um, in, in university towns. I'm so overjoyed to share with you in the next couple of weeks some things that he's already doing right now in university towns. We're going to talk to you about what God is doing in the cities that we're gathered in right now to watch this this uh, this message. We're going to also share with you what God is doing uh, around the globe, in particular in hard places to allow churches to be born so that the worship of Jesus will spread to every tribe, kindred, and nation. I, I am so fired up about what we're about to do, and I want to share how God is using our church, this, 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 this one little church in Michigan, to touch the world. And I'm so humbled and grateful that we're on this mission together. But we're going to do more than just share. We're going to tell you how you can be a part of all of that. How, how you can make the decision, Lord, that the greatest treasure in my life is not the money that I have, but the greatest treasure in my life is knowing you and making you known. And we're going to be able to have the opportunity to invest in the spreading of the gospel so that a generation can be changed, so that our community can be transformed, and so that the nations can be reached with the love of Jesus. So look forward to that in the weeks to come. But friends, before I let you go, I want to encourage you. Purchase the treasure today. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And let's spread this treasure in our communities, in our nation, and around the world until Christ returns, until all have heard. Hey, I love you. Thanks for carving out this time to be with me. And your campus pastors will take it further. God bless you guys.